Hello there, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Ottawa, Canada, and you're listening to Quick Hits, a podcast about all things terrorism related. Came across a fascinating article in the New York Times this week. It's been repeated in several other news sources around the world, as I found out. And it's about a situation in the United States where there are accusations by somebody who's in a position to know that the Trump administration is trying to tell its intelligence agencies what to report and what not to report. Here are a few quotes from the New York Times article dated the 9th of September. Top officials within the Department of Homeland Security directed agency analysts to downplay the threat of violent white supremacy and of Russian election interference. Now, this accusation has been made by Brian Murphy, who is described as the former head of the intelligence branch of Homeland Security, and he has filed a whistleblower complaint that the Chad Wolf, the acting secretary of the department, has asked that DHS stop producing assessments on Russian interference. Look, this is not the first time that the Trump administration has been accused of ignoring, downplaying, poo-pooing the fact that Russians are meddling in U.S. politics, that they are trying to influence what Americans think about a whole variety of things. And of course, once you look at the rumor mill and the speculation and the conspiracy theories, it's all that Donald Trump is actually in Putin's pocket, that the Russians have some kind of intelligence on him that's very embarrassing, and that the president has no choice but to downplay what the Russians are doing. I have no idea if that's true or not. Certainly, uh, Mr. Trump does seem to give Mr. Putin an awful lot of leeway in what he does. We all know that Putin is involved in the killing of dissidents. He is definitely not a Democrat. He's definitely not a friend of the West, and yet Trump treats him as one. To me, though, there's a, there's a much bigger issue here. And that issue is, what do we expect our intelligence agencies to do? What is their mandate? What are they tasked with? And how should they go about their jobs? Simply stated, at the end of the day, an intelligence agency is there to A, collect intelligence, B, process it, C, analyze it, D, extract whatever intelligence meets the requirements of the government of the day, and E, to package it up and provide to elected officials. That's it. There's no partisanship in intelligence. There's no bias. There's no favoritism. We look at the requirements that the government levies upon us, and we try to meet them. It's not that complicated. And those requirements can shift from year to year, from administration to administration. That's certainly what I saw in my days working both at Communications Security Establishment, Canada Signals Intelligence Agency, as well as with CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. This story seems to suggest that the Trump administration simply did not want to hear the independent, nonpartisan analysis of what its intelligence agencies had found out. Now, is it just me or is this a problem? Once you start telling the intelligence agencies what to do and what not to do, you might as well not have intelligence agencies. They are there to be as objective as possible, to call a spade a spade, to provide the best analysis they can based on the information that they collect and that they process, irrespective of who's in power. They're there, to, in fact, to speak truth to power in many ways. And this allegation, if true, 
albeit not surprising given the Trump administration's performance over the past almost four years, is very, very worrisome. And it appears uh, that it is not the only time in which the Trump administration has ignored and or tried to coerce the intelligence community into saying things or writing things it wants to hear. Here's an article just published in Foreign Affairs by a friend of mine, uh, Colin Clark, who uh, back, was actually a guest of mine on the podcast a few months ago. He's with the RAND Corporation, United States. And he has said that with respect to the assessment of Al-Qaeda, is, in other words, does Al-Qaeda still pose a threat? Many have dismissed Al-Qaeda as sort of yesteryear's terrorist group, erroneously in my regard. But as Colin writes, unfortunately, politically motivated threat assessments can be dangerous. And he says that the assessment by the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo that a, quote, Al-Qaeda is a shadow of its former self, in fact, is an example of such politically motivated intelligence assessments. He accuses the Trump administration of wearing rose-tinted glasses, and he calls for a more sober assessment of Al-Qaeda's trajectory and the threat it poses to the United States. I highly recommend the article. It's a, very, it's a good article. It's a short article by Colin and a colleague that you really, really should, uh, really should read. Why am I talking about all this? Actually, as a Canadian, uh, I have a full confession to make. I never worried about the politicization of intelligence for a very simple reason. <laughs> in all honesty, in my 32 years in working in intelligence in Canada, our problem wasn't that officials tried to gum up the works or they tried to push us in a certain direction. Our problem is that most officials in the Canadian government couldn't give a rat's ass about intelligence. We don't have the intelligence culture that the Americans or that the Brits do. We never have. I recall being in many meetings downtown in Ottawa where we would present either from CSE or from CSIS what we had learned, and uh, we were basically ignored on many occasions. No, not all the time. We certainly had our clients who couldn't wait to, to hear or to receive intelligence that we had, we had uh, produced, but it was nowhere near the level of understanding, appreciation, and desire for intelligence that the Americans and the Brits have. That's just the way it is in Canada. There's just no understanding of what intelligence can do and, and, and what it can't do. And I guess in, in some ways, you know, you know, Canada is very much a middle power. And middle power might be an exaggeration at the best of times. The intelligence, I don't want to say it didn't matter, but it mattered less when you're not at eating at the table with the big boys, the Russians, the Americans, the Chinese, the Brits, etc. I'm not trying to say that I wasted 32 years of my life working in intelligence, but there, there was a recognition that even if we did produce the best intelligence that we could, in the grand scheme of things, on a global scale, it probably wasn't all that important. It did make uh, some importance. It was of some importance on, on smaller files, local files. And I certainly know that the intelligence that we produce did make a significant contribution to decision-making on various levels within the Canadian government. But to say that it had anywhere near the authority or power or influence that, our, and that, that, that was held in our major allies would, would be disingenuous on my part. It's, it's as simple as that. So what to make of all this? At the end of the day, a government has to recognize that their intelligence services, in the same way as their judiciaries, 
have to be allowed to act at arm's length. They cannot be controlled. They cannot be told what to say or what to write. Yes, the government has every right to leverage requirements because without requirements, intelligence services don't know what to collect and what to analyze. But beyond leveraging requirements on a yearly or monthly or bi-yearly or whatever basis, governments have to back off and allow the intelligence services to report it as they see it, to speak truth to power. That does not appear to be happening in the United States. Again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but is it all that surprising that an administration which has been accused of having benefited from Russian interference in 2016 would seek to poo-poo or tamp down any intelligence pointing in that direction? And the possibility of a renewed Russian interference in the elections coming up in a couple of months' time? Huh. Inquiry minds want to know. And similarly, on the far right, is it of any surprise that an administration headed by an individual who was clearly, openly, transparently expressed support for right-wing extremism doesn't want to hear about right-wing extremism? Yeah. Again, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. I'm just putting the question out there for you. I hope it stops. I hope my American colleagues are free to write what they want and provide the best intelligence possible to the U.S. government. If they can't do that, maybe they should look for another job. Anyhow, that's my point of view. Let me know what you think. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisafes. You'll also find me on Facebook and on LinkedIn. If you like the content and want to get more, simply subscribe. Go to my website, borealisthreatenedrisk.com. Find the subscribe button. Give me your email address. You get a free daily digest, all the podcasts, all the blogs, all the media interviews, free of charge to your inbox every morning. Love to hear what you think. Do you work in intelligence in Canada or elsewhere? Have you had similar experiences of people telling you what to do, not what not to do? I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a line. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.